Blue wire. Someone just screamed outside my apartment. I hope they're okay. (laughs) (laughs) And we have our intro. (laughs) I'm not going to get up and see if they're okay. I'm in the middle. Excuse me. I'm in the middle of a pod. Can you keep it down? It's serious a business. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, and a three, and a two, and a one. <laughs> boop, 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 boop. Hello, hello, and welcome to Unsalvageable, a Utah jazz podcast, part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network with me, Sarah Todd, jazz beat reporter for the Deseret News. And as always, my co-host, Greg Foster. Greg, it's the off-season which means I've been doing a lot more sleeping. <laughs> you still have like a day job and a kid. <laughs> so rising grind, baby. <laughs> there is no such thing as an off season. It is on season. It is go time. Also side note: I'm calling for an NBA player's strike after today. Yeah. We just watched uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo hyperextend just the hell out of his leg i hope it's just that it did not look like just i know that's what they're calling it that's like the early diagnosis there's no way they've gotten mri results back yet no i mean especially it makes me like super queasy especially after the Kawhi injury that looked not serious at all yeah, and Giannis has looked bad. And like, you know, two nights ago, we've got Trey Young who hurts his foot. He's not playing in the game that we're watching tonight, yeah. Tuesday night. And it's just, uh, um, actually, Mark Stein tweeted out um, earlier, uh, right after the Giannis injury happened, a record nine All-Stars have already missed at least one game in these playoffs. And that doesn't include Trey Young or any of the other non-All-Stars that have also missed time during this year's playoffs. It's been an unmitigated disaster. Yeah. This season, like these playoffs, the condensed schedule, the back-to-backs, the playing every other day. Like, I know that these are world-class athletes, but at some point, even world-class athletes and world-class bodies break down. You know, a lot of people are going to probably point to the fact that, like, some of these are just weird injuries, like Trey Young stepped on the official's foot, you know? But there's a ton of sports science that tells us that the more that these guys push their bodies, the more that they're fatigued, the more that they don't have rest, then the more susceptible they are to injury. So like maybe, you know, Trey steps back on the official's foot and the injury isn't that bad. Or maybe Giannis comes down on that leg and it doesn't hyperextend because he's got more bounce in his legs. Like we don't know exactly, you know, cause it's hard to pinpoint science in that way. I dare anyone to come to me and tell me that a lot of these injuries haven't been because there's just been more fatigue. It, I feel like it's impossible to say so. Yeah. I, and I'm with you. I think we're beyond like the standard deviation at this point. Yeah. Uh, so that sucks. It's really bad. And you know, it's cool too, that they're just going to have another shortened off season and training camp starts in 12 weeks. I wrote a story about that. I mean, I, once this episode comes out, the story will be out too about, you know, we've got, at least three jazz players that are uh, potentially going to be in the Olympics. You've got Rudy Gobert, Joe Ingles that are on mm-hmm. uh, direct, direct qualifying teams. Boyad Bogdanovich starts qualifying tournaments for Croatia on Wednesday. He barely had any break before he left the States to go 
to training camp for like a week. And then now they're starting games. Those guys are going to be Joe Ingles is already in training camp with the Australian boomers. Gobert is headed to France soon. He's still in Utah, but he's headed to training camp soon. Mm-hmm. And I mean, those guys, especially those three, I, I should also mention that Mieoni and Udoka Azubike uh, were invited to the Nigerian national team training camp, but that's a 46 man roster that has to be whittled down to six to 15 before the Olympics. So I don't think they're going to make it. I think in their case, I like that Oni and, and Doke are going out for Olympics. Like I think the more experienced, the better. Right. And but, that's kind of on the flip side of what I've been like, what I was going to say was yeah. you've got three guys on the jazz team that are arguably the most fatigued. Yeah. So Boyan Bogdanovich played 72 out of 72 regular season games coming off wrist surgery. Yeah. And he's going to be playing more games over the summer than either. I mean, if he, if he goes to the Olympics, because he's already like, Qualifying tournament for Croatia starts on Wednesday. Yeah. And so he's already in it. By the time that the Olympics end August 8th and everybody's able to reassemble, mid-September, they've got to be back in market to get ready for training camp, which begins on like September 27th. Yeah, not a whole lot of time. Not a whole lot of time at all because this is a condensed offseason because everything ran late and I mean, and you're looking at a guy like Giannis, like if he's not so injured that he can't come back for the playoffs, if the Bucs were able to go to a finals, finals last possible date for a game seven would be July 22nd. The Olympic basketball tournament begins on July 25th and he would be playing for his national team. Some of these guys are going to have no break at all. And it begs the question, like, is it worth it? Is it worth it? And like, it's really hard for those international players because more so than U.S. players, I think there's more of a sense of pride for representing your country. And that's not to say there's not pride in it for the U.S., but a lot of people from the United States, the NBA is the ultimate. Right, right, right. right. But when you grow up somewhere else, you don't have the best basketball league in the world. And so there's there's more of a sense of satisfaction, of glory, of pride. And if they can get a medal at an Olympic Games and take that back to their home country, it means more to those guys. Right. And I I don't think that there's pretty much anyone that could try to talk them out of that. Yeah. And I don't know that I can make an argument not to. You know, I, I I'm not going to be able to convince somebody not to not to play in the Olympics. It just worries me. Yeah, because they're already fatigued. And again, that increases the risk of injury. And so it's like, what if they get injured in the Olympic games and then they're out for a season? Yeah. What are the jazz going to do if Boyan has a season ending injury during the Olympics? Mm-hmm. What are, what are the jazz going to do if Rudy Gobert has a season ending injury? Yeah. What do you do if Joe Ingles tears his ACL? Yeah. You like, know? I mean, these are, these are critical pieces, large contract players that you are not going to be able to replace that are critical to the success of the team. It's just, it's worrying. I hope for the best good vibes as our, our boy, Jordan Clarkson would say good vibes only good vibes only Uh, today. We're, we're going to touch on quite a few different topics. There are some things that we need to address. We need to go over that have happened recently that are newsworthy. And then we're closing it out with some mailbag questions. We sent the call out. You guys answered. Thank you guys so, so much for sending those in. We're going to get to as many as we can. First, did you happen to catch any of that Portland Trail Blazers? 
uh, press conference today? Saw I saw the clips. I didn't watch. Yeah. I didn't watch it live. You know how much I love cringe. <laughs> and that, what an absolute implosion! Abject failure, embarrassment, and affront to basketball. Here's what happened: the Portland Trailblazers are having their introductory press conference with newly minted head coach Chauncey Billups. And something from Chauncey's past was brought back to light when he became a head coach candidate, which was that he, there was an accusation of sexual assault back in 1997. Weren't there multiple accusations? Correct me if I'm wrong. Be that as it may, doesn't matter. Like, I'm trying to keep my fury at a, at a normal level here. Yes. Very rightly so. Questions about that were brought up. Neil Olshay, the general manager, is he the executive vice president of basketball operations? What's his title? Do we care? He is chief dishonorable officer. Oh, <laughs> uh, he. Coward did a lot executive of... officer. See, I mean, it, it's just been, it's just been a, from the moment that they fired Terry Stotts when the Blazers season ended, it has just been one spiral down into a dark bleeding pit and it did not get any better today. So Chauncey's having his introductory press conference. Reporters are asking questions, rightly so, about the 1997 incident. Neil Olshay says that there's been an investigation Um, There was an investigation back then that the Blazers hired a third party firm to have their own investigation. And he said that everything was consensual, according to this unnamed third party that did an investigation. Questions from reporters were like, well, can you tell us more about the investigation? Neil O'Shea says no. Nope. Question to Chauncey Billups. Uh, you said that you learned a lot and that the 1997 incident changed you. Can you elaborate on that? Neil O'Shea gives a look to the PR and PR says, we've answered those questions. We'll be moving on. I mean, question after question were deflected and uh, just straight up turned down. It was a horrible look. It was just bad. And then there was another instance because the Blazers, they interviewed Becky Hammond mm-hmm. for the head coaching position. Uh, it was down to Chauncey Billups, Becky Hammond, Mike D'Antoni, apparently, I guess, allegedly. <laughs> Neil Olshay was asked about Becky Hammond during the interview process. And he basically said, well, she, you know, she got all the way down to the end and all the way to meet the owners. And that's really impressive. I'm paraphrasing, but it's pretty close. That's pretty patronizing. It is incredibly patronizing. It's in. <laughs> Uh, I don't even know. Yeah, it's yeah. I think we're both we're both out of words at this point at at just how much of a show it was. And I thought that Ben Anderson had a great tweet. You know, but we saw you know all of the different deflections and and just how unprepared they were for the moment. Which you got yourself into this pickle. You're the ones who are hiring a guy with a seems like a pretty shady past. You're gonna have to answer for that. It's been front and center headline news since his name was brought up and if you don't want to answer those questions don't hire someone like that yeah don't hire people don't hire people that have a 
like history of violence against women or alleged assault against women, if you don't want to answer for that, and if you're not prepared to explain yourself or to say how that you've changed or how you've overcome things or say what light you've seen in the years since. Like if you're not prepared to explain those things, then you, you shouldn't be on that podium. Agreed. Yeah. It was, it was just, it was awful. Just made my skin crawl. Yeah. And you know, before the, you know, PR deflected a couple of the questions, it did look like Chauncey was going to answer. Mm-hmm. And so it's unfortunate that we didn't get to hear his answers. I would have loved for him to have say, you know, it's okay. I'll answer the question. Even after the PR, the PR person doesn't control him. He doesn't have to listen to that. Right. He could have answered it. He's no the problem. Being head coach. Yeah. He can say whatever he wants. Uh, Neil Olshay is not going to be there to protect him next time he talks to the media. Right. Yeah. And so I I hope Neil's ready for that. I can't believe that. I can't believe he's got a job after some of the stuff that he said. He threw Terry Stotts under the bus before he even fired him. He said that the Blazers' problems weren't due to roster construction, which basically blamed everything on the head coach. P.S. You only had one person that could defend. Yeah, sorry, but you can't win a whole lot of playoff games when you're playing Ennis Cantor at the five for 20 minutes a night. It's unreal some of the stuff that he's said in the past and some of the stuff that he said today was just downright embarrassing. I I cannot believe how much of a, a disaster that was. <laughs> it, was it's, uh, it also brings up a bigger problem that I have with the NBA, that once you get into these circles, it seems like all you can do is fail up, especially if you're a white man. Yep. It's gross. It's That's the thing is no one's going to say about a white man. He made it all the way to talk to ownership. He should be proud of that. Yeah. No one's saying that about a white man in the NBA. Not a single person. Anyways, that's one thing that happened. Yeah. And as the as, as you know, you mentioned in the outline, the coaching carousel continues, and Becky Hammond and uh, T. Witherspoon are still without head coaching positions. Which and, I can't uh, think of a more eligible candidate at this point. It's embarrassing <laughs> that she does not have a head coaching job. If I was Becky Hammond, which I am clearly not, I would I would just stay in San Antonio until pop retired and just because i feel like i at this point how are they not how are they not assuring her that she just has that job there's got to be some sort of like grandfather clause in her in her contract at this point like you are you are the heir to the throne right as she should be absolutely every do she's that doesn't mean she's capable she absolutely belongs and that doesn't mean that she shouldn't have been offered Mm -hmm. the other positions agreed yeah. And so that's what, that's what upsets me. Actually, on just another point on that, Haley O'Shaughnessy and Jordan Liggins on the Spinsters pod, also a blue wire pod, shout out to them. They'd mentioned when Becky Hammond was potentially going to be interviewing for that Portland job. Uh, one of them had said, oh, I really like, I want Becky Hammond to have a job, but I really don't want her to have that job because it's like, if you don't get it done in the first year with Dame as a woman, yeah, then it's, then it's your fault because you weren't ready. That's a good point. And so that kind of like, it would be looked at as a failure if you don't get it done immediately. Whereas, you know, if you have Chauncey in there and they don't get it done, he probably gets more time. Yeah, absolutely. And so that it's just a, it's a position to be in <laughs> as a woman. Yeah. Love Becky Hammond hopes for her. It's going to happen eventually, but 
that it's taking so long is embarrassing. It is. We should transition to some more jazz related stuff though. And one of the big things that we need to talk about is that Dennis Lindsay stepped down from his position as executive vice president of basketball operations into an advisory role, which basically means that he's there for Zanuck or anyone else in the front office to bounce ideas off of. But we also got a story from Andy Larson and Eric Walden over at the Salt Lake Tribune, great friends great reporters. Their story outlined some of the things that might have led to Dennis stepping down from that role. A a lot of it included the tension between Dennis Lindsay and Quinn Snyder. Yeah, That's something that, as they said in that story, had been kind of an open secret around jazz circles. Uh, Something that I and the other reporters had heard about multiple times, but had seemed to have maybe been squashed or at least quelled in recent years but also ryan smith also just wanted justin zanuck to be the guy that's the guy that he prefers over dennis Lindsay. Mm-hmm. also there was a lot of people in the front office that were reportedly unhappy about the udoka as a bouquet pick rightfully so just for the record again i i'll say it i've said it like three times now i'm okay with a pick if you don't spend a full mle on Derek favors yeah but can't do both. Can't do both. And it cost the Jazz dearly in the playoffs. It cost the Jazz $9 million a year and change that could have been spent elsewhere. Or a draft pick that could have helped you. <coughs> Desmond Bain, <coughs> Nick Batum, <coughs> Jay Crowder. <laughs> Tory Craig. <laughs> <laughs> Here's what I'll say about the Dennis Lindsay stuff. Whether or not any of the stuff in Andy Larson and Eric Walden's article is true, uh, close to accurate, far from accurate, uh, I'm not one to argue their reporting or their sourcing at all. The deal is is that Dennis is no longer in charge. Mm -hmm. And so moving forward now, Justin Zanuck is the guy. He very well could be potentially bringing on other people into his staff. I feel like that's inevitable at this point. Yeah, they've got David Morway on staff still, uh, assistant general manager, but I mean it's very likely that Zanet could be made EVP and they'd want to bring in someone else to be general manager or they just want to bring in like assistant G other assistant GMs to add to the staff or just other consultants. We also know that David Friedman who was the director of pro player personnel, he's not coming back. He's been with the jazz for decades and his contract is not being renewed. And so sort of the scouting department also has to have an, a facelift. And so there's going to be a lot of different front office scouting personnel hires, most likely in the coming weeks and months. Yeah. I mean, every report from, from local and national media members are saying the jazz, like a expect more moves that's inevitable and be like the jazz are going to be aggressive. Yeah. And it's, it's going to be interesting, interesting to see in what way they're aggressive. Yeah. One of the things that uh, Dennis Lindsay had brought up in the exit interviews and then Justin Zanuck had sort of echoed is the idea that they want to put together a priority list. That's like, what are the things that were exposed what do we need to fix? But 
which ones are like the most truth because you have to weigh injuries, Mm -hmm. fatigue, personnel, and then see like what's at the top of the list of the truth and which ones are most attainable too. Cause you don't want to just go after everything if you can't get it. Right. Yeah. There needs to be prior prioritization. Right. I think that once we do see what the jazz's moves are and especially what their first one or two moves are, we're going to, it, it, it'll make it really clear what the front office's decision is in what they thought the priorities were and how, right. And how aggressive they're going to be in those. It's yeah. It's going to be really interesting to see. I think, you know, every single Twitter GM has a different opinion on this and I'm interested. I mean, I have my own opinions and we've talked ad nauseum in the, in the last episode about what went wrong and what needs to be prioritized, but seeing it, uh, seeing the jazz manifest that is going to be pretty interesting. Yeah. Uh, One of the things that I, I do find interesting about Andy's story was that part of the tension between Dennis Lindsay and Quinn Snyder was that they didn't like how the roster was so restricted through the regular season and it didn't allow for a sort of de- development of guys at the end of the bench. Hey, same. That's not, yeah, that's something that we brought up in the last pod and and talked a lot about. So if you haven't heard that, go back and listen. And I I agree there. The problem is is that like if if that part of the story is true, then like the person who is saying like, hey. I don't like this was Dennis Lindsay. Mm -hmm. Part of the problem there though, is that Quinn was restricted on the talent that he was given. Yes. So there's so many moving parts and it's like, nothing is going to be truly answered until we see how the jazz are going to address all of these questions and issues and personnel deficiencies. Yes. We're going to speculate wildly though, until then. (laughs) It's literally my job. I am a wild speculator. So I mean, the news has broken. The dirty laundry has been aired about what's going on. So, you know, what's next? What what are those front office moves going to look like? I mean, there have been certain rumors circulating around one Danny Ainge. Uh, there's also rumors about Dwayne Wade's good friend and teammate Shane Battier. I'll say Ainge has, is known to be... Uh, friends with Ryan Smith and his family. They they like they go golfing together and and like play pickup ball and like yeah, they're they're friends from everything reported. Right. Everything that I have heard makes it sound like if Ange were to come on board, it wouldn't be like he would come in above Justin Zanuck. From what I'm understanding and from what I'm hearing is Justin Zanuck is going to be the lead decision maker going forward. Mm-hmm. And if you want to bring in Ainge to throw some ideas at the wall, I don't really see that as a problem. I mean, Shane Battier also, you mentioned his ties with Dwayne Wade. Uh, he also is a Duke man. So that gives him, you know, some brotherly, some brotherly fraternity camaraderie with uh, head coach Quinn Snyder. Uh, all those Duke guys stay close. And so I'm sure that there's a relationship there as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Shane Battier is a really smart guy. He's a, a very smart man, and from everything that I've heard about his work in Miami, uh, in the front office, what he was doing there, he was helping sort of scout developmental type players, whether it's through the draft and using analytics and looking at different things, and he did a lot of stuff there for the front office, and everyone there was really, really impressed by him, and so 
I don't really see a problem in either of those names and bringing those guys in. There's other guys too. You've got Mike Zarin in Boston, who's been an assistant GM for a really long time. And when Danny Ainge left, he got passed over and they mm-hmm. made Brad Stevens in charge of everything. So you got to think like if he got passed over, he might be looking for a change of scenery. And if Ainge comes in, he's already got a connection with Mike Zarin. There's names around those. I think those, those two, and then also including Mike Zarin, those three are what probably make the most sense because they've been rumored to mm-hmm. be linked to the jazz. What do you feel about this, uh, this rumor about the CAA, the creative artists agency, you know, there are a lot of complaints about the jazz front office lacking diversity. Ty Sullivan of CAA represents Mm -hmm. Donovan Mitchell and Royce O'Neal. And there are rumors of a CAA executive being considered. Do you know anything about that? Is there any validity there? I have heard that bringing in someone from CAA is something that's being considered. Um, that's that's like as far as yeah but no names goes. no names but it makes sense because if you're trying to keep donovan happy mm-hmm. you know you've already you've got Dwayne wade around who he can get in his ear anytime he wants even though he could do that before he was a minority owner of the jazz yeah if you bring in someone else like like shane battier maybe and then you bring on someone that's from caa right and justin zanuck is a former agent like he knows how these things work sure He's, he's deeply familiar he's with not, the situation. He, he's no dummy. And the man's been he's around no The man's been around a block or two. He's incredibly well-respected. It's a very smart, savvy guy. And I can say that from conversations that I've had with him. He, he knows what he's doing and he's a people person. Yeah. And that's, that's going to serve him very well as a decision maker mm-hmm. when he's making phone calls, when he's trying to convince people to come on board. And I think, I think maybe bringing on someone from CAA would be really beneficial to the jazz and to their long-term prospects and you know getting some diversity into the front office is not a bad idea either yeah i'm and and i'm all i'm all on board especially because i know jazz fans have a bit of anxiety a bit of a pit in their stomach based on the brian windhorse article today talking about how Dwayne wade isn't sure if donovan is but happy and is wanting to uh stay in utah long term i don't know the what the The wording of that the wording of that i just want people to focus on the wording of it a little bit because what brian winters had said is i think Dwayne wade is concerned it wasn't like he said Dwayne wade is concerned yeah it's he said i think Dwayne wade is concerned about donovan mitchell staying in utah long term that is not a direct report that's not a direct quote that's not something that I think Utah jazz fans should be concerned about at this point. Again, the extension kicks in this year. We got four more years to worry about this. Right. You know, that's a lot of time that you can spend convincing a guy that this is the place that he's supposed to be. So no matter if Dwayne Wayne is concerned, if Brian Winhurst is correct in what he thinks Dwayne Wade is thinking. Yes. We've got time. Yeah. Yeah. And I agree. But, and, and to that point, if bringing someone in from CAA, pleases your star player in donovan mitchell seems like a win-win yeah it does yeah why why not why would you not i mean there are certain times in the nba where you see that a player has power to make decisions or influence decisions within maybe the front office and it's and it's like maybe they've got too much power right but 
bringing in someone that Donovan might be more comfortable with or might make Donovan happy in a lower front office position is like a no brainer. I think yeah, seems like a pretty good thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. There is one more thing I do want to, to put on the record. And that is we need to give du Dennis Lindsay his flowers. Like yeah. this is a man who established uh, a culture here in Salt Lake City and with the Utah Jazz man who came in uh, with a franchise that was kind of fledgling and on the ropes and has turned this team into a perennial playoff contender. You had a team that although the end result wasn't what we all wanted, it was still the number one team in basketball throughout the, the entire season. He's a man who got us Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell, who recruited Boyan Bogdanovich out of Indiana, man who who got Quinn Snyder on board. Like he brought Justin Zanuck in, yeah. and Justin Zanuck was crucial in getting Boyan Bogdanovich. And so, like this, this isn't something where it's just like one guy. It is. It's like the team on the court. It's mm -hmm. a team effort. But also, Dennis has been, like you said, he made really good moves. He drafted Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell, and those are moves that were also, you know, you miss on Trey Lyles, you turn that into Donovan Mitchell, yeah. right? And he was able to pivot. Nobody is going to be perfect in those situations. Uh, I would love to find a general manager that is perfect because then you just have like one team winning the championship every single year, I guess. He's done a really good job. And he, I mean, the Jazz have been into five consecutive playoff appearances under his reign. Yeah. They had three all-stars this year. Yeah. Yeah. You got three-time defensive player of the year. They got six men of the year. They had three all-stars. They had coach of the year candidate. Mm -hmm. That's nothing to like turn your nose up at. Yeah. I think he's been a very, very successful man and has done wonderful things for the Utah Jazz. And to that, another hat doff. A hat doff to Dennis Lindsay, who is also, uh, in all of my experiences with him, has been an incredibly kind and generous person. And that's good to have when you're dealing with basketball executives because they don't all come that way. His wife is also very, very sweet on Twitter. Yeah, she's great on Twitter. Yeah, she's great. Becky Lindsay, is that right? She seems like the type of woman who could like bake the hell out of a peach pie. And then like tell you off also. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she'd like bake the hell out of a peach pie. And then like when Dennis comes in, she's like, you want to know all the you forgot to do before you left today <laughs> you know? as she eats the pie in front of him yeah she's like i didn't make this for you <laughs> this is my treat <laughs> i love her yeah she's great great follow on twitter yes let's, let's get to some mailbag yeah let's answer some questions i'm gonna i'm gonna take the reins on this first one. Oh, i'm very excited about this first one yes so this comes from uh friend of the pod Wait. friend of the pod Get right to the good stuff. Let's just say the good stuff. Do you want to leave this off? Brayden, if you're listening, shout out. We love you so much. It's our understanding that you turned 12 years old on Friday. That's insane. You're a year from being a teenager. Number one, you're super cool because you got great taste in podcasts. Number two, you've got a really cool mom who reaches out to us and interacts with us. And number three, you're turning 12. That's great. It's your birthday. 
It's your birthday. Happy, Happy birthday, birthday Mazel Tov. Happy birthday. Thank you so much for listening, Brayden. Shout outs, shout outs, shout outs. Happy birthday, oh, buddy. And and to our friend Megan's tweet, she is uh, ambishop19 on Twitter. Sarah, I'd love to hear the funniest moment with one of the players this season that didn't make it into your stories. <laughs> I'm going to be such a bummer right off the bat on the first question. <laughs> This year was really hard to find those funny moments because this whole season, all of our interactions with the players have been on Zoom only. We haven't been allowed to see these guys in person. And so you don't get those side conversations in the tunnel or in the locker room or after a game or uh, at practice or shoot around where you can be one-on-one. It's, it's all been in front of everyone. It's all been via Zoom. And so it's really, really hard to have those little moments. Honestly, the funniest moments this season have been from some of the other media members and some of our like Zoom ups that we've had. (laughs) Whether it's like Wi-Fi going out in the middle of a question during a pregame interview or my my Wi-Fi went out in a post-game interview one day and I nearly like I bum rush and nearly like side tackled Eric Walden so that I could get in front of his laptop to ask my question. <laughs> so, uh, what a weird again, year. It's been so weird. And I mean, those funny moments do come often, Megan, and I cannot wait for them to come again. I, I'm hoping that things are going to be closer to normal next season. I can't wait for that because it makes me feel like I'm just not even doing my job right when I can't have those conversations off to the side and have those sort of funny moments. Agreed. Greg, what's the best story that you can share about being a jazz fan named Greg Foster? And this, this question comes to us from at Aaron Ludwig underscore art. Well, my friend, <laughs> I would like to preface this question by saying that I am washed. <laughs> I recently turned 36 years old. I can no longer dunk like I used to. I can no longer dunk like I used to is such a humble breath. Yeah, I mean, like I can still get up every now and again. It takes a lot of stretching. Yeah. And like. You got to stretch the day before. Uh, (laughs) I'm dead serious. I'm foam rolling. I got the Theragun out if I want to do this. Um, But back in the day, I was. At least I thought I was like a semi-decent basketball player. Passable. I, 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 I could start on an AAU roster when I was a teenager. Nice. Yeah. Um, and on my AAU team was Thurl Bailey Jr. Mm-hmm. And Chris Morris Jr. So it was just automatically assumed that I was Greg Foster, Greg Foster. Jr. Especially because Thurl Bailey was our coach. Right. Okay. Um. And Greg Foster and I have a, a, a similar complexion. Like it's not too much of like a stretch of the imagination to think like there are some, at least like a little bit of similarities there. Right. So yeah. So for like years throughout AAU, it was just assumed <laughs> that I was Greg Foster's kid, even though like he was long gone from the jazz and like, you know, there were, nobody really asked like, where is your dad? Wait, your dad is a an assistant coach in Atlanta. Why aren't you there? Yeah. Somehow, somehow uh, I just got left in Utah. 
which is like actually a sad story. Like if they really thought that you were Greg Foster's son, they'd have been like, wow, it's, it's really unfortunate that your dad's not around. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody, but like a bunch of 12 and 13 year olds aren't connecting those dots. No, no, not at all. No, but um, that, that was, that was it. It was just always assumed that because I played with Chris Morris and Thurl Bailey Jr. that I was, uh, I was Greg Foster Jr. We should say to our listeners uh, once more, Greg Foster, my co-host, no relation to Greg Foster, none, the jazz man. None whatsoever. <laughs> and you know what? I like you. You're my favorite, Greg Foster. Yeah. I am Caucasian as unseasoned chicken. <laughs> you have a lovely tan. I, I brown up quite nicely. Yes, I have very olive skin. But the fact is of the matter is. Yeah, you're super white. I, like I have English roots. Let's let's go to Carrie. Carrie's got quite a few questions. So we're going to take them one by one. They are at FidFam. FidFam. FidFam, at FidFam. Front office changes and impacts. We talked, we touched on that a little bit up top. I'll add to that. We're not going to know if the impacts or changes are good or bad, probably until at least a year from now. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, in theory, we could say like, okay, well, if like people didn't like Dennis, then him not being in a position of power is maybe good for morale, right? Sure. But we don't know whoever's going to be brought in, if it's going to make things better, if they're going to make the right moves with the players that they pick up in the offseason. Like we don't know any of those things. And so it's really hard to evaluate it. Hindsight's always the one that's 2020. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I would say that the impacts and changes in the front office right now are neither good nor bad. They are just changes. Mm-hmm. FidFam also asks, what will and should each player work on during the offseason? I'll, I'll take this and just say, uh, Fiddy, we are going to, in the very near future, break down every player on the roster, give our diagnosis, give our letter grade for the season. So, That's next week. Yes. So... That's a little something called a tease in the industry. <laughs> yeah. We're we're foreshadowing. Yes. It's it's coming, I promise. But I'm not giving you that answer right now. Right. FitFam also says, do any current players want to leave Utah? Yes. Not all of them <laughs> want to leave Utah right now, as they should. Here's the thing. <laughs> the season ends. Yeah. Yeah. They're all they're all trying to get somewhere tropical and beautiful. Yeah, they want to leave. One. They don't want to be. Two, three. Cancun. Actually, Donovan Mitchell went live on Instagram today and somebody said one, two, three, Cancun in the comments. And he was like, Cancun's overrated. Hey. (laughs) Now, if you want, if you're going to do that, Playa del Carmen, Tulum. I'm with you there. Belize. Yeah, go even further south. Take a European tour. Yes. The Alps. The Dolomites right now. Beautiful. Go to, to an Italian island. Cinque Terre. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh, God, I hope there's not an Italian character in there somewhere. <laughs> One day. When the Jazz finally signed Danilo Gallinari. To your point, FidFam, I'm, I'm, I'm really liking using these people's uh, Twitter handles instead of their names. I'm, so that's what we're doing. In the exit interviews, there are a lot of guys that said that they loved Utah and they didn't want to leave and they wanted to stay there. Mike Conley said how great he's loved it, how much his family has loved being here. Uh, Obviously, 
uh, and George Niang said the same thing. Those are two of the free agents that you, the Jazz have coming up. They're not going to commit to anything. That's what free agents do. That's what they're supposed to do. Uh, so we'll see. We, as of right now, we don't know that anyone wants to leave Utah. I want to leave Utah. I'm trying to get back to California and visit my family. Yeah, I need to get out of here for, for a minute. Yeah. Whistler is calling my name. The bike trails out there in Canada. Who do we need? Oh, and lastly, Fitty says, who do we need in Utah to make this team even more fun to watch? Are you not entertained, Fitty? You know what? What do you want? Uh, I think that Royce O'Neal for Zion Williamson is a great trade. Oh, my God. And also, I don't know, like, let's somehow finagle you know, rope in John Morant and we'll just have John Morant and Zion Williamson throwing lobs of each other. Bring in John Collins. Yeah. John Collins too. Yeah. Bring them all in. If you just want the fun team, bring them all in. You know what it's time for years ago, five years ago in 2017, Lob City was destroyed. The nail was put in the coffin by the Utah jazz. It is now time for them to go Shang Tsung (laughs) and absorb that spirit. Uh, yeah john collins john morant zion williamson and we are creating an even better version of lob city this is fee slamma jamma on steroids that's what's gonna make that's what's gonna make make it happen let's make it a five-man roster we got zion ja john collins i'll take cole anthony who else do you want who dunks on more people than Giannis? No one. Well, oh, I was like, I missed the point of Giannis. I was like, who does dunk on more people than Giannis? Nobody dunks on yeah. more people than Giannis. All right. So that's what we've got. We've got Giannis, John Morant, Zion Williamson, Cole Anthony, John Collins. I don't care that's what my team can't shoot. We're dunking no. everything. <laughs> we're dunking everything. And then we're looking at the camera and like making like dope faces. We're going 20 and 62 and I don't care. Yeah. I'm, I'm here for the league pass team. All right. Let's get another question in. Sure. I'm going to go ahead and take this one. This is by mm-hmm. Tyler Smith, TTBSO8. And I think this is something that a lot of jazz fans have top of mind. What do you think a trade pa- package for Dame from the jazz would have to look like? I think it has to look like something that doesn't exist because this isn't something that's happening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's just not happening. Sorry, guys. I hate to be the bearer of bad news. The Jazz are not getting Damian Lillard until he's out of this contract. And still, the fact is, you're probably not going to get him after that anyway. Um, Well, and and the fact is, like, you're not giving up Don. No. Because that's what would have to happen. Either Donovan Mitchell or Rudy Gobert. I'm a firm believer in that no one in the NBA is untouchable. Yeah. I I think that at some point, there's a price for everyone. Mm -hmm. But you're not you're not giving up Donovan Mitchell, especially for Damian Lillard. It's not happening. No. You got a 24 year old who was phenomenal in the playoffs on a bum ankle. Yeah, I do. You're not getting rid of it. I do think that as of right now in this moment, Damian Lillard is the better player. But that gap is closing, and what Donovan did in the playoffs still is one of the more impressive things I've seen on a basketball court in a long time and i think that damian lillard is the type of player where we know who he is mm-hmm. 
but Donovan still has a ceiling yeah. that he hasn't reached. We, we don't, he, we, we, we don't, we don't know who Donovan yeah. Mitchell is going to be uh, a couple seasons from now. I mean, based on whatever analytic age minutes played um, that factor into someone's prime, he has yet to enter that. He's right. 24 years old. Yeah. I think pre-playoffs, I floated this out and said that I would take that trade in a heartbeat because I think that Dame right now gets you closer to a title. But after seeing what Don did in the in the postseason this year, uh, I have a little more trepidation than I normally would. Because I think, again, I think that Damian Lillard right now is the better player. He does get you closer to a ring. But Donovan Mitchell's 24 years old and he was out of this world in the playoffs and has been in two straight playoffs. Damian Lillard would get you closer to a ring right now, but Donovan Mitchell, if you can keep him under contract, like through this contract and then a second one after that, could have you close to a ring for seven years or mm-hmm. more. Yeah. Next up, I think I think that this is a, this is an interesting one mm-hmm. from at at Joel underscore underscore Hiller. Yep. What's the most realistic path to improving the wing def- defense? Okay. Realistically, that's where that's that's a really key word in that question. Yes. What's what makes it a good question? The most realistic path is you've got to change some stuff on this roster. You're going to have to get rid of some stuff Mm -hmm. and then you're going to have to find good guys on minimum contracts. That's realistically where it is Mm -hmm. because yeah, you could say that you could try to trade up and get a better pick in the draft, but you're not going to bank on rookie defense to be the thing to improve your roster. You just can't bank on that. You have to make some changes Mm -hmm. and that might come at the expense of Derek favors. Joe Ingles. I think you've got to get rid of George that contract. That I really do think that you do. Pains me to say. Yeah, that's nine million dollars a year to a guy who was a traffic cone in the playoffs. And it's it's not even like because the you know it's not like you can just like use the mid level exception again. They're going to be a luxury team, and so mm-hmm. you're you're going to have the taxpayer mid level to use, and so it's not like you're getting that money back for Derek since right. you're already over the cap. But it's a roster spot too. It's the money that you spent plus the roster spot. Mm-hmm. And I I just think that you're better served maybe getting a small ball five and finding that minimum contract players to play some defense. Yeah, I agree. I also think the Jazz, the Jazz need to get more athletic. I think the Jazz need to get younger. Yeah. I mean, Joe Ingles is going to be what, 33 this year, 34? He'll be 34 in October. Yeah. Boyan Bogdanovich is going to be 32. Mike Conley, if you re-sign him, is going to be 34. He's missed time now in both seasons, missed significant time in the playoffs. And that was, I think, the biggest detriment to the Jazz in this playoff run. I don't, I don't necessarily have names. I would have no. to really that- do some digging. And we're going to be doing some digging. We'll do that later in the off season mm-hmm. before free agency opens up too. We'll have a podcast that includes maybe some targets that the jazz should go after, but uh, you don't, you don't need names right now. You need a plan. Yes. And I, I think that that plan includes sort of saying like, what are we, what are we willing to get rid of mm-hmm. and getting younger is an issue. And, and we've said it before, you have to, you have to re-sign Mike Conley. And so that's not where you're going to get younger. 
and Boyan is an integral piece of the of the starting unit. He's and he's improved. I mean, he came in as you know sort of a shooting sniper, and uh, he's shown us that he can play. He has a beautiful post game, and that he can play under control. Mm-hmm. And so that's not where you get younger. And that's why I say like it, it might come at the expense of Joe Ingles. Yeah. I think you might have to trade one of your core guys or multiple core guys. You might have to have to trade a Royce O'Neal. You might have to trade a Joe Ingles. You might have to thank George Niang for his services um, yes. and shake his hand and say, you were a very, very valuable asset to us in the regular season. You helped us with a lot of games. Your time here has come to an end. Honestly, everyone outside of Rudy, Mike, Donovan, and probably Boyan should be on the table. Like you have some very glaring weaknesses and you have to go all in on fixing those if you really truly want to win a title. And I think that's the biggest thing we're going to see out of all of this and all of this front office shakeup. How committed are the Jazz to winning a title? If they have the right level of commitment, are they willing to make the moves to make this team more versatile so that they are playoff ready rather Mm -hmm. than regular season ready? Exactly. Yeah. I don't think you can simply do what the Jazz have done in the past and just just say, or even like they did last season and and be like, Boyan wasn't 100%. He he wasn't in the playoffs. Mike missed some games. And that was a big reason why we lost to Denver. We're running it back. You've had multiple seasons. You have five straight exits against small ball teams. It is a yep. glaring weakness. It is a quarter-sized pimple on the forehead of the Utah Jazz. And to that point and to the, the question that was asked, if you have a small ball five that you can play mm-hmm. and trust and is reliable in those minutes, that does make the wing defense better. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's all connected and there are issues that the jazz are going to have to address. I will say as far as a small ball five goes, uh, I do have one guy in mind and he's the second guy I call after I finish my phone call with Mike Conley and that's Nick Batum. Yeah. You get Nick Batum on the phone. You get, you get Rudy on the phone with him too. And you they're say good like, friends. Hey, they're great friends. And you convince him to come on the same kind of contract that he accepted from the Clippers. Mm -hmm. I don't think that that's a hard sell. No. A couple of quick hits here. I'll just run through them very quickly. At 40 underscore 79, David asks, who do you think are realistic trader for agency targets? We're going to have an episode covering all of that. Mm -hmm. So be patient with us, David. Uh, At Brutus underscore Reaper asked, was the Millsap, he's referring to Elijah Millsap situation a factor in the Dennis Lindsay decision it seemed like Dennis Lindsay faded into the shadows after that and he usually was present at games or and on radio interviews I do not think that was a factor at all Mm -hmm. from everything that I've heard it was not and honestly the Dennis Lindsay situation it was something that he had talked to the Millers about about taking a step away and so this was not as impulsive as it might have seemed and also Brutus, maybe you just missed it because Dennis Lindsay was at all the games. He was still doing radio interviews and stuff. It just, maybe it wasn't as often because this season was really weird, but he was still there. One more before we close up at Derek Peterson, 73 asks, it seems like there'll be two major point guards going to the LA teams. Will the jazz have to wait for those teams to sign point guards before we get ours? 
Is he saying PGs or point guards? I have, I have no idea. I think, is he inferring that like Dame is going to LA or like Lowry is going to LA or I'm very confused. Yeah. Derek, we're sorry. (laughs) To the last part of the question though, even if there was a, a big free agent point guard that was out there, the jazz aren't getting that person. So it doesn't, doesn't really matter. Uh, they they have to re-sign Mike Conley, and then they're not going to be going after, I think, big name free agents, especially point guard. I think you you're looking for a a backup or a third string point guard. You're not looking for someone that's going to have a, a huge contract at that position. If you do like a sign in trade with Conley, maybe that makes things a little bit different. Mm-hmm. But I really don't see that happening. Either way, I don't think the Jazz are waiting for anything. I think they're looking for something s- sort of on a smaller market. Thoughts. <laughs> Yeah, I I mean I agree wholeheartedly. I don't think you're I don't think this is a roster that's needing more star power. You've got your I don't you've got so. your stars. You had three all-stars this season. You had Boyan Bogdanovich, who was super solid and, and gave you some awesome moments in the playoffs. And like you had yeah, bucket getter Jordan Clarkson. Yeah, you've got the sixth man of the year. Like you're not you're not looking, and not only that, but like if you're going for another star point guard you're more than likely taking the ball out of your best player's hands. You don't want to do that. You want to give Donovan Mitchell the ball. And especially you've invested so much time and money in Mike Conley, who was fabulous this season, whether it was running the offense or playing, playing off ball. He was so integral to the Jazz's success. I don't think just bringing in someone, I don't know. I'll throw a name out there. You, you bring in Dennis Schroeder or someone like that. I'm not sure he does the same things. No, I don't. Think I think so. as as much as you need to switch some things up with this lineup, you also want continuity with the things that have worked. Right. And the Jazz's problems at not having another backup point guard were not the star power. It mm-hmm. was when the it was when the two lead ball handlers were injured at the exactly. same time. Yeah. And so you just need a third guy who can be there to pick up some slack if both of them happen to be injured, which is not something that you, you know, count on happening again. Yeah, agreed. You need like an ish Smith type. Yeah, exactly. Like, and someone that you can, again, bring in on a, a minimum contract, but that you can trust to handle the ball in, you know, in the waning moments of a regular season game or come in and spot play during a playoff game to add a little bit of versatility. It's, it's not something mm-hmm. where you need a Kyle Lowry or a Dennis Schroeder or something like You've that. You've got that guy. You do. You've got two of them. Yeah. I love getting the mailbag questions. I want These more. Are great. Yeah. I think we should do this like once a month. Yeah. People. And it's the off season. So there's plenty of time to do it. Keep your questions coming. Send them to us on Twitter. You can, DM me or Greg at dad sham dad and at NBA Sarah, you can uh, DM or tweet at either of us or the show at unsalvageables. Uh, We're going to be here all off season. Like I said, next week, we're going to be grading every player on the jazz roster. So come back and tune in for that next Wednesday. Thank you so much for listening download rate review subscribe do all of the things leave us five-star reviews we really really like those i love them i love a five-star review it makes me really happy and it really helps out the show can't wait to talk to you guys again and we'll talk to you soon
good to buy. I hope no one got murdered outside my apartment. Yeah, that wouldn't be good. Oh, well. (laughs) 